Whether you're joining us from Queens or from around the world, it is a joy to have you. My name is Rich. I'm the lead pastor of New Life Fellowship Church here in Queens, New York City. And look at you guys coming to church on a rainy day. Oh, look at this. This morning, I, I saw it was raining outside, and I looked at my wife. I said, nobody's coming to church today. And so uh, it is a joy to uh, have you in the room uh, worshiping uh, with us. We're in a series focusing on the book of Romans, chapter 8. We are taking a few months to go through it. It's one of the most powerful chapters in all of the Bible. There's so much we've already extracted from it, and we are in week 7 of this series. And so if you have a Bible, you can turn to Romans 8. We'll have it on the screen as well. We're going to be at verse number 22 through verse number 25. And I just want to say something. You know, it's funny. I, I, was, I, I was reminded of this last night. A couple of weeks ago when I was preaching, I was greeting people on the outside and someone said to me, Pastor Rich, I was just so excited about what you were saying and, and I wanted to say amen and respond, but I didn't know if that was okay. And, and I just want to let you know, it's okay. Okay, for if the spirit is moving in you and you're, it's bearing witness with your soul and you want to talk back to me and say amen and go ahead, pastor, and I'm listening. I mean, go ahead and do it. I'm, I won't lose my place. I'll keep going. And so we'll make this a nice participatory experience here as we're hearing God's word. Amen. Oh, I feel the spirit now. All right. Romans chapter 8, verse number 22. Hear the word of the Lord. Paul says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Today I want to talk about groaning and hoping. Groaning and hoping. Let's pray together. Lord, open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts that we would receive every gift of the Holy Spirit you have for us this day. We pray these things in Christ's name and everyone said, amen. amen. Groaning. It's a word that many of us are familiar with. It's a word that many of us express on a given day and often throughout the course of our lives. For some of us, we groan the first thing in the morning when we get out of bed. Our body groans, our body aches. We think about the day that's before us and we groan. We groan on Sunday evenings because Sunday evenings is what's called the Sunday night blues. The Sunday night blues is what happens, happens when you realize that the weekend is over and you have to start work again on Monday and you begin to groan. Thank God there's a day off tomorrow. We groan when we get home and see another medical bill in the mail. A bill you thought that was covered by your insurance. And you groan. We groan as New York City people when we are in traffic. We groan when there's a delay on the subway. You groan when you put your baby down for a nap and seven minutes later they wake up again. Something in your soul begins to groan. Those are significant groans and then there are deeper groans that we carry. 
the groaning of relationships that are broken because of political differences, the groaning that takes place because of a loneliness that you have that no one knows about, the groaning of feeling that, that your life has no purpose. We know what it's like to groan. Are any of you groaning today? Where are you groaning in your life? Where is there this inexpressible longing of the soul, a pain of the soul that you're having a hard time finding words to give expression to? Memorial Day is a day of groaning, a day of recognizing that the world isn't what the world is to be because God has not fully made everything new. What we're going to see today in this passage in Romans chapter 8 is groaning is a natural uh, uh, reality of what it means to be human. But our groanings point to something deeper than ourselves. The groans that we feel reveal the future we long for in God. And that's what I want to focus on today. The groans that we feel deep in our soul reveal the future we long for in God. Another way of saying it is that our groans reveal the yearnings for God to make things right, to make things right in our soul, to make things right in our relationships, to make things right in the world. And this is what we see in Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, one of the words that come up over and over for a number of verses is the word groan. And to groan is to express a, a deep, uh, inarticulate sound conveying pain, conveying despair. If you've ever been sick, and some of us in this room and some of us watching online in a world that has experienced a global pandemic with something as debilitating as COVID-19, you know what it's like to feel a groaning in your body, that you cannot give any kind of articulate sound. All you can do is convey a pain, a sense of despair, but you can't find the words for it. Paul notes that groaning is taking place all around us, that it's happening in creation, throughout creation. When we see the impact of global warming, creation is groaning. When we see forest fires on the West Coast, creation is groaning. When we see the earth not being cared for but used and exploited for economic purposes, creation is groaning. And creation, to understand, is not just nature as we understand it. We are part, human beings are part of creation as well. The world groans. When we see war, creation groans. When we see poverty, creation groans. When we see pandemics, creation groans. When we see Palestinians violently displaced, creation groans. When we see anti-Semitism in our city, creation groans. When we see police brutality in our nation, creation groans. When we see abuse in churches, creation groans. When we see anti-Asian violence, creation groans. And through the groaning, creation is crying out for help. In this way, Romans reminds us of the book of Exodus. And shout out to Pastor Helen for bringing this to our attention this past week. Where the book of Exodus in chapter 2, we see similar language of the people of God groaning their, their cries to God. In Exodus 2, it says the Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. 
And God heard their groaning. You're not going to find four better words in the Bible than God heard their groaning. And he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. In the story in Exodus, God heard their groaning and God sends Moses in his name to deliver the people of God. But in the Bible, after the Exodus, after their freedom from Egypt into the promised land, they continued to groan. Their groans continued to go up to God. And sooner, uh, uh, soon after their groans, actually thousands of years after their groan, God would send someone more powerful than Moses. God would send his son to deliver them, not from a nation, to deliver them, not from a particular leader, but to deliver his people from sin and death. Christ comes. Amen. And he dies and he resurrects and he announces that sin and death no longer have power over him. And one day Jesus is going to make all things new. But in the meantime, there is still groaning. In the meantime, there's still pain. In the meantime, there's still abuse. In the meantime, there's still poverty. In the meantime, there's still pandemics. And Paul wants us to know that all of creation is groaning and all of creation is waiting. The question is, waiting for what? And you would think in this passage that creation is waiting for God. And ultimately, yes, creation is waiting for God. But Paul does not say that creation is waiting for God. We learned last week that creation is waiting for the children of God. And this is one of the most important truths in the scriptures. That creation is waiting for the children of God to be revealed. One of the most significant problems in Christian faith is always asking God to do things that God wants us to do. We often pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when we pray that prayer, it's often a prayer of resignation. Lord, there's nothing we can do. So we pray for your kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. But to pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven is not language of resignation. It's language of participation. Our prayers are, are, are not, Lord, there's nothing we can do, so please fix the world. Our prayer is, Lord, there's so much we can do, but only in your power. My prayers used to be, Lord, get rid of poverty, until I realized that God was asking me to get rid of poverty. My prayers used to be, Lord, can you uh, deal with homelessness and feed the, the, the hungry and, and heal the sick? And I began to realize that God is asking me to pray for the sick and to work for the eradication of poverty. We often ask God to do stuff that God is calling us to do. And so creation is yearning for the revelation of the children of God. Why? Because our very presence signals that help is on the way. Last summer, we took a, a, a little vacation 
and we got away for a few days. And we had a great time as a family. It was beautiful. We went down to Florida for a few days. We had a great time. And the last day that we were there, we packed up our luggage and, and, and we had some time just to relax for a couple of hours before we were going to head out to the airport and, and head back to New York City. And as we were outside, we had really nothing to do but to relax. And so I found a, a nice little a swinging iron uh, little uh, chair there that I was just sat on. And I was uh, just swinging back and forth. It looked something like this here, just swinging back and forth, just having a good time, swinging back and forth. My son Nathan, who's six years old, he, 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 he comes on the bench next to me and he puts his head on my lap and, and we're just talking about the week we've had and swinging back and forth, just having a great time. It was about 20 minutes or so before we had to leave to head to the airport. And so I said, Nathan, it's... It's time to go. Let's, let's get going here. But I realized at that moment that Nathan's arm got stuck in one of those slits there. And he said, I can't move, first of all. And I'm thinking, come on, get that arm out of there. Get that arm out of there. And he's like, I, I, it hurts. I can't move. And I look under, and it's so positioned that the bone in his elbow just locked it there. And he couldn't get out. Now, at this point, I'm trying not to freak out. And so I do what I do when I, when I don't know what to do. This is what I do. I call Rosie. Rosie! <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I don't know what to do. <laughs> and Nathan, at this point, is starting to cry a bit. And as a six-year-old would, I can't get my arm out. I'm thinking, is he going to lose circulation? What in the world is going to go on here? I didn't know what to do. But thank God Rosie knows what to do. And Rosie begins to look for someone who could help. And she finds someone who, who was an employee of the resort that we were staying at. And Rosie tracks this person down and says, we need help. But the, 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 we understood at that moment that that person really could not fix the problem. But that person knew how to get in touch with the person who could fix the problem. Their very presence signaled that help is on the way. And so the person took out their little walkie-talkie and said, all right, we got a problem here. We need to bring some EMS here. And about 10 minutes later, about, you know how it is, 100 EMS people show up for like a little problem, you know what I'm saying? And a bunch of them showed up on the scene and, and actually and, and used a contraption to get Nathan's arm out of the thing there, as you can see him right there. And they opened it up there, and he was free. We got on the airplane. It was wonderful, happier ever after. It was just wonderful, delightful. But what I want to recall to you on that day, is when the revelation of that employee showed up. It signaled that help was on the way. What does it say about Christians when we show up and the world doesn't see help? <laughs> the world sees, oh no, the Christians are here. What, may it be of our lives that when Christians show up, the world sees hope. That when Christians show up, the world sees peace. That when Christians show up, the world knows that things are going to be all right. Why? Because we point to the one 
who is going to make everything right. And so Paul says creation is groaning and waiting for the children of God to be revealed. And then he turns to another kind of groaning. We might not be able to fix everything, but we can bear witness to the God who can. And then Paul says another kind of groaning in verse 23. So creation groans. Then there's another groaning that takes place. Verse 23, look what it says. Paul says, not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we, awa- as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. This here is significant teaching from Paul. We groan to, it's not just creation, We individually, we groan as well. But before I talk about our groaning, I want to talk about what Paul says a couple of words before groaning because it's an important phrase to keep in mind to hold together a spiritual tension. Before Paul says we groan, he says we have the first fruits, the first fruits of the Holy Spirit. Although we groan, God has already started something in us. The first fruits of the Spirit. Now, the first fruits of an incoming harvest was, it was literally the first batch of fruit. The first batch of fruit that comes out of the harvest, that in the Old Testament, whenever that batch came out, it was given to God as an act of worship, as an act of gratitude. It's basically saying this is the best stuff that's signaling what's to come. And God, we, you've blessed us with a harvest. We are giving you our very best. But notice what Paul says. Paul says God has given us the first fruits. In the Old Testament, we give God the first fruits. In the New Testament, God gives us the first. God gives us the very best. What is the very best? God gives us himself. God gives us the Holy Spirit, which is, Paul uses, a down payment of what is to come. And by giving us this down payment, this is language that Paul uses, not just first fruits, but down payment language, God guarantees that the rest of it is going to be paid in full. When I thought about this verse here, I thought about layaway. Some of you know about layaway, yes? Uh, Layaway. Growing up, my family used a layaway plan a lot. We go to City Line on Liberty Avenue and uh, that Brooklyn, Queens area there, and we wanted to purchase something, and, and, and mom would say, I want that, but I don't have all the money for it. And so I'm going to put a down payment, but I'm going to come back for it. Don't, nobody touch my stuff. That money signals, put it to the side, I'm coming back for it. That's how we did a lot of stuff back in the day. The problem with doing layaway for some folks is some folks get started. You know where I'm going with this, but they don't finish. And so they hold it for me. But for whatever reason, they don't finish the deal. When Paul says that we have the first fruits of the Spirit, that we have a deposit, he's saying, God, whatever God started, you can be sure he's going to finish. 
Whatever God started, you can be sure he's going to bring to pass. The Bible says God began a good work in us and will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. We are God's layaway plan, but he's given us the spirits. But in giving us the spirit, he's saying, I am not done with you. You might have given up on yourself, but I will never give up on you. The world might have given up on you, but I am not going to give up on you. Your job may have given up on you, but I will not give up on you. I have given you my very best, and I'm going to make this thing come to pass. And so Paul says we have the first fruits of the spirit, but now look how he connects it. Creation groans. We have the first fruits of the Spirit, and we groan. Now, this doesn't make sense. Paul says, we have the Holy Spirit, and we groan. You would think that receiving the Holy Spirit means that our groaning should be replaced with something else. To have the Spirit, we believe, often means my groaning should be replaced with joy. To have the Spirit means my groaning should be replaced with happiness. But Paul says those who have the Spirit still groan. How do we reconcile this? Certainly God gives us the Holy Spirit joy, gladness. But in God's economy, the joy He gives us is not in the absence of pain. The joy God gives us is in the midst of pain. The gladness that God gives us is not in the absence of groaning. The gladness God gives us is in the midst of groaning. And so, hear this. Those who have the Spirit are those who are to groan the most. Those who have the Holy Spirit are those who, have to, to, who are to, to groan the most. Why? Because we know how the story is supposed to go. We know how the song is supposed to be sung. And when the story doesn't unfold the way it's supposed to unfold in God, we groan because we see the discrepancy. When we, when we hear a song that, that's not sung the way it's supposed to be sung, we groan. Listen, I love karaoke. I do karaoke every year, staff Christmas party. I lead our church in karaoke. And, and the staff, for the most part, they clap, they make me feel good and all that. Uh, but, but I know what's really happening. When a song comes up, they know how the song is supposed to be sung. And then I grab a microphone and I start singing it my way. And I can see the groaning on the staff. Just, ooh, this is, ooh, that's, a, that's, that's supposed to sound like that. Because when you know how a song is supposed to be sung, when it's not sung in that way, it causes you to groan. As Christians, we know how the song is supposed to be sung. We know what the world is supposed to be. We know the peace and the joy and the love that is supposed to fill the earth. And so when the world is not marked by peace and love and joy, it should make our hearts ache. It should make our hearts groan. Which is why Christians are to be the most sensitive to the groaning in the world. Christians are to be the most sensitive to the pain of the world. Why? Because we know how the story is supposed to end. 
We know how the story is supposed to be sung. So we groan. But Paul notes here, and I want to close with this. We groan, yes. We are aware of the groaning around us, yes. And one of the saddest realities of our lives is us being not unaware of the groaning happening often within our own homes. It's one of the saddest realities of our lives that we are not aware of the groaning. So Paul says, we groan, yes, but we don't groan like the world groans. We groan with hope. We groan, but we face our groaning in the assurance that help is on the way. We groan knowing that Jesus Christ is coming to make all things new. We groan because the Holy Spirit is here to bring healing right now at this moment. Some of you have been thinking, I'm going to be depressed the rest of my life. But in Christ, there is hope that depression can be turned into gladness. Some of you are thinking, I'm going to be in an economic hole my entire life. But in Christ, God can provide for every one of your needs. Some of you are thinking, I'll never overcome this addiction. And you groan, but in Christ. There is hope for healing and freedom. And this is good news, not just for creation. This is good news for every single one of you. Because some of you are groaning in this room today. And some of you are groaning watching this online today. Maybe you've been groaning all week. Groaning for the past year and a half. Groaning well before COVID-19 reached this nation. I think about the groanings of people struggling in a marriage that has seemed to lost all of its life. The groaning of people walk, uh, working long hours just to pay the rent. The groaning of someone who can't shake an addiction to alcohol. The groaning of grief who, of someone who lost their job and they don't know who they are anymore. Where are you groaning today? Where are you aching today? And for those of you groaning, the word of the Lord is spoken very clearly to you. God has not forgotten you. God is with you. God has a great future for you. God hears your groanings. Will, will things change immediately? I don't know. But God can work wonders in you and fill you with great hope. One of the great privileges as a pastor is I get a front row seat into many of your lives, and many of you watching online. When I preach, I have particular stories in mind of people who are groaning, people who are aching, people who are hurting. And so it's amazing to me when I see the groanings that some of you are carrying and the hope that still emerges. I'm reminded some three, four years ago, I was standing right on the side here during one of our Ash Wednesday services. And as I'm putting the ashes on people's forehead, the, the sign of the cross on people's forehead, I noticed that one of our congregants, a 70-something-year-old man who had been groaning because his body was riddled with cancer, 
and he came to receive the imposition of ashes. And as he came to me, I noticed him. And you know how we say it in, in classic church tradition, we place the ashes on your forehead and we say, to dust you, you came from, to dust you shall return. And when he came up to me, I thought it was a bit harsh for me to say that. I know the groaning of his body, the groaning of his emotional state. And he came up to me and I said those words anyway, from dust you came and to dust you shall return. And I was expecting him maybe to drop down in tears and, and ask for a hug and there's nothing wrong with that. But I was surprised with his response. His body had been groaning. And with the biggest smile in the world, he looked at me and said, don't worry, I trust Jesus, Pastor. And he kept on going. And at that moment, I'm supposed to be the pastor offering good news, offering hope. And here this 70-something-year-old man looks at me with a hope that defies what we see in the world. It's okay, Pastor. I trust in Jesus. And he goes on his way. That's the hope that God wants to give every single one of us. A hope that makes no sense to the world. A hope that says, I should be crushed under this and have no hope and have no despair. No, no, no. I trust Jesus. That one day Jesus will heal. And one day Jesus will redeem. And one day Jesus will renew. Where are you groaning today? And how might the Holy Spirit want to infuse in you hope? Hope that makes no sense to the world. Hope that the world can't give and the world can't take away. The first fruits of the Holy Spirit. Where are you groaning? And where do you need hope? Let's pray together. God has already started a good work in you, given you the first fruits of the Holy Spirit, reminding you that though you may groan in Christ, you can groan with great hope, knowing that God at any moment can break in and heal and restore. And so we wait eagerly, Paul says, waiting for God to break in. And begin to heal. Where are you groaning today? Some of you came into church today and no one would know the level of groan that you're carrying. Groans of loneliness, groans of marital conflict, groans of sickness that you have not let anyone know about, groans of economic hardship, groans of relationships that have been torn apart, and you're just groaning today. Can you name those groans before God? And can you ask God to step in to grant hope? Lord, we thank you for the hope that you give in the midst of a groaning world. May we as Christians be attentive to the groans around us. May we respond in love and in grace. 
And Lord, for our own lives, may you give us the assurance that you are active even though we might not be able to see it. We sing to you now words of praise, words of worship, words of hope. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Let's all stand in this room. And those watching online, let's sing together. Great is your faithfulness to me. Great is your faithfulness to me. From the rising sun to the setting same, I will praise your name. standing I want to bless you and send you all out on your way and those of you watching uh, online for those of you watching online we have our sermon discussion uh, conversation going on at the end of the service there's a link online and so if you're watching and you want to have a conversation maybe you're groaning and you just want to talk about the groans and the hopes that are for you in Christ one of our pastors will be facilitating that conversation for about uh, 30 minutes and so feel free to click on that link for a wonderful 
time of sermon discussion. In addition to that, for those of you watching online, maybe in this room here, maybe you've never said yes to Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been groaning and you feel like you've been groaning alone. The beautiful thing about being in a relationship with God is that to say yes to Jesus means that the Holy Spirit is given to you. To trust in Christ means that the Spirit, His very life now infuses yours. And you're never alone because the Holy Spirit is with you. And we're going to hear more about that next week, how the Holy Spirit is in us and working in us even through our groans. And maybe you came in today and you're saying, I, I need God in that way. I want God in that way. I've been groaning alone. Feel free to text yes to Jesus, that number on the screen or uh, on the television or uh, on the screen we have here uh, in this room. And one of our pastors uh, would love to get in touch with you before you head out. I want to remind you we have our annual meeting next week and it's just a great time to celebrate all that God is doing in our midst in a very difficult, groaning society this past year and to hear about some of the great things happening. It's only one hour, so it's on by 1.30 to 2.30. Feel free to register for that as soon as you can. Uh, you're going to hear a lot about what's happening at New Life in the coming week. Uh, let me bless you all here, and then uh, for those of you uh, uh, watching online uh, here, you can go, and those of you, want, I'm going to ask you to sit down for a moment when I bless you, but uh, I have the a distinct honor of doing what Pastor Jack usually does and giving some just next steps here. So, uh, just a reminder, next week, we're actually opening up registration. Uh, there's not going to be any kind of uh, email you're going to receive. It's open registration. So, we'll still be doing registration, but you go to newlife.nyc on, I believe, Mondays or so. The registration link will be on, and, uh, you know, if you invite anyone you want to bring, you know, and, and so just, that's a big change we're making. Don't look for the email. Some of you are going to say, where's that email? You're not getting an email, all right? You're going to go to our website. You're going to register, uh, and, and we'll have folks worship in this way. Uh, every week, we're going to add just a little bit more capacity, so just be uh, mindful of that. And as we en exit here, uh, if you could exit through this side here or in the back there, uh, we have kids in our shell room area, so don't walk through the shell room. Uh, just uh, walk outside of it there and uh, we'll be on our way. I'll be downstairs in the lobby area. I know it's a rainy day, but I'll be downstairs to greet some of you. If you're here for the first time, don't you dare leave without saying hi to me, all right? Don't you dare leave without saying hi. To I'd love to meet you, especially if this is your first or second time, or if we have not met, or if you haven't seen me in a long time, as many of you have, uh, say hello downstairs. Now, let me bless you all. Woo! Let me bless you. Open your hands towards heaven. Let me bless you. We, we close our gatherings in a posture of receiving because the world is filled with so much cursing and we want to give not just curse, we want to give blessing to the world. And so we receive it out of which we give it. Those of you watching online, just open your hand towards heaven to receive. Some of you have been groaning this past week, wondering, does God see me? Yes, God sees you. God is with you. God hears your cries. Brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this building and out of this online gathering in the power of the Holy Spirit.
bearing witness to the truth that God is with you. And may God give you hope in the midst of your groanings. May the Holy Spirit surprise you with joy and with gladness in the midst of pain. And may you be a gift to the world around you. I bless you all in the strong, in the beautiful, in the resurrected name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. Grace and peace to you all.